Hello, Defenders. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. My name is Andrew Harris, and with me is Andrew, the champion Decker. No. Stop. Wonderful, wonderful job this past week, sir. We're going to talk about that today. But you know what? Uh, You know, usually I have like a little Nespresso drink in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Just to start the day, right? Right? It's like coffee. Right. Well, yeah, it is fancy. Thank you for recognizing (laughs) that. But this past weekend, I had a cappuccino with almond milk, and it was delightful. It kind of reminded me, kind of always, you're looking at me so weird right now. Yeah. I'm wondering where this is going. I love cappuccinos with almond milk. What can I say? But it reminded me that as defenders... We're, we're kind of told, like, you got to get used to losing, right? We have some heartbreakers. Uh, it can kind of be a beat down, but a change of pace is nice, isn't it? Yes. You didn't like my segue? Yeah, that was weird. Okay, but a change of pace is nice. This past week, we were inundated in the defense world with victory after victory after victory. Um, and it really kind of lifts everybody's spirits. We've been having just a tough go of it, uh, especially in North Texas, um, you know, mentally, emotionally, and to walk out of here with, I mean, how many wins did we have in Tarrant County alone? In Tarrant County, I think we had two major felonies, right? And then in Dallas County, some Tarrant County attorneys went and picked up a not guilty on a on, serious capital murder out there, right? Basically, uh, wanted them with self defense. And then I saw on the TC DLA listserv this morning that a Lubbock County murder trial was not guilty. So congratulations to our South brethren Texas, out there. I think uh, Lisa Greenberg picked up a not guilty last week as well. And and uh and also some federal cases I think had some uh, had some victories if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think there was so, something I can't, on there. I can't, I can't either. We yeah, need so, to be celebrating that, right? Right. There were a lot of a lot of uh, well fought fights. Yeah, it ended up ended up in our in our column um one of the things that you know somebody asked me you know what'd you do different i was like i don't know i said you can bring a b plus a minus game do really everything you can and the difference between that on the verdict the b plus a minus and the a plus is nothing because it's going to be a lay down for the state they're going to be found guilty and you and i have tried a few of those cases where we've looked at our clients in the eyes and said don't do this. You're going to be stupid and you're going to hate yourself if you do. But I understand that you can't admit to this. So we'll go to trial and we'll do everything we can. And, you know, you could ask one better question or make one better argument. And you can kind of question that a little bit. But in reality, the jury's going to find him guilty and there's not much you can do about it. Yeah. I mean, you can't change the facts, right? I mean, that we hear that time and time and time again. But it is really nice to know that uh, there are jurors out there who are not just buying everything that the state is selling. Um, and, you know, frankly, jurors make some weird decisions, um, but it is nice whenever it it lands on uh, on our side as opposed to their side. Um, so, you know, one of those was your trial. It was a very serious felony. Um, we're right. going to get into some facts of it just to kind of give some context. But of course, you know, your client's a free man. We're not going to identify him or anything like that. Uh, he's entitled to his freedom and liberty now. 
So we're going to give him that courtesy. Talk, talk to us about what happened. And, you know, if I, I know I've told you in person, but man, real proud of you. Congratulations. Well, you've had not guilties on similar cases. So it's, it, it, it comes around, comes around. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't diminish the hard work that you put in. Cause I know for weeks you've been like worrying and fretting about this case. It, yeah. So. It, it didn't help that we, so this is a case from 2018, from February of 2018. So the case is five and a half years old. And whenever I say it's a five and a half year old case, people go, was a kid? No, two adults, both around 30 years old. Right. Um, but an old case. And I finally got especially set because we kept getting bumped by capital murders and people in felony in prison or in custody and kid cases. And I said, look, I need a special setting because my guy gets to, at some point gets to have a trial. Yeah. We were especially set for the first week of August. The state's experts that ended up hurting them weren't available the first week of August. So we got bumped one week. The judge said, I'll give them one week. So we got bumped to the second week of August and the detective had COVID. And so then we got bumped two weeks so that we could get out of quarantine for the detective. And we went to trial uh, Tuesday morning last uh, with jury selection. Um, so it's been on my mind. It's one of those where you couldn't put it down because you kept gearing up for the Monday. Yeah. Um, which in some ways is great because it meant I knew that thing inside and out. Uh, I don't know that I've ever known a case better. I could almost like, turn to the exact page in my trial notebook to point to something I could quote it without looking at it. Um, yeah, it drives you insane, but it does force you to really intimately know your case. Well, and it gave me time to ask one more question, to look at one more thing. So one of the experts, uh, I actually found one of their transcripts and read it. So I had a real good idea what they were going to say in a case where they hadn't looked at anything. They were just coming in to pontificate make broad strokes about um, sexual assault. Yeah. And wouldn't couldn't say anything about the people involved of this actual case. Right. So I knew what they were going to say. Um, but it was, it was a well-fought fight. Uh, and our, our, you and I both have a lucky charm now. <laughs> uh, we have to give a shout out to Deandra Lindquist. Both of us have tried sexual assault cases with her as second chair and gotten not guilties. So it speaks more to her than it probably does to us. I gave her a, uh, a shout out at my presentation at the bar association meeting and, uh, regarding her record as a second chair with her wins that are just, you know, I mean, she's, she's looking at it 80% win percentage here. And she kind of she got a round of applause, including from two of our Parker County prosecutors who were there who were like, OK, oh, not bad. Right. You know? Right. So we're going to have to start paying her more. Yeah, she is. Uh, she is my lucky charm. You know, it's a, it's funny on um, on a lot of these uh, sensitive cases. She does a lot to like soften, soften the, the defense side. Um, so, yeah, she is. She is. a, uh, Yeah, she is our lucky charm. She's yep. she's definitely something new. So, um. Okay, so big not guilty. Tell me how long did they how long did they deliberate? Two hours on the long end. Gotcha. And that was with two questions uh that came out and uh the second question that came out, I said, that's a question for us. That is, yeah. That, I mean, that, but that's still pretty quick for a, a really serious felony. Yeah, it is it is quick. Um sometimes it helps that the clock is getting close to six PM. Sure. Um 
Now it was a Wednesday. It wasn't like they couldn't come back. Uh, but they went out a little after four, I think, and they were back at six. Gotcha. So yeah, maybe is, a little less than two hours. That is um that is really quick. So uh you talked to the jury afterwards, right? I did. The jury actually, uh, the judge said, y'all need to come on back and talk to this jury. So do you, sorry to cut you off, do you find that that is like helpful information? What I find is sometimes it's confusing information. You'll find <laughs> out that the jury found something and held on to it as a group. And we know, we know, we know our prosecutors and we'll look at the prosecutor and they'll look at us and be like, what the hell? Do, what what that, does that, that have to do with anything? That, who cares? You know, yeah. but for them, that was a crucial piece. Um, so in this one, uh, you know, some of them liked that my guy took the stand. Some of them thought I was dumb for letting him take the stand. Um, you know, there were a few things like that. But the piece that I held on to was, you know, again, this is five, uh, five women and seven men, maybe four women, um, but the women on the jury, and this is a sexual assault case, looked at me and said a couple of them. Well, one of them said it and a couple of them nodded their heads up and down. So I felt like they were in agreement. She said, your presentation on beyond a reasonable doubt made it where we couldn't find him guilty. Intriguing. That's um, really good feedback. That was good feedback. So. Um, you know, I've always used the chart that shows, you know, the stair step chart, the stair step. Yeah. Chart. And I always have focused on that clear and convincing. Okay. Because what is clear and convincing evidence? Facts that the trier fact would hold a firm belief or conviction to be true. Yeah. So a few, few trials ago, I happened to have a. Uh, West Point grad, like 50-year-old. And when I got to that, I said, West Point. And this guy, I mean, he, first of all, he was sitting up, but he sat up another two inches taller. Mm -hmm. I said, would you stand? And I said, he stood up. I said, when you entered the academy, did you take an oath? And he said, yes, sir. I said, what was that oath? And he goes, to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Okay. I was all right. I said, you have a firm belief or conviction in that oath? Yes, sir. Do you have a firm belief in the conviction, you know, in the Constitution? Yes, sir. I said, would you die for those things? He goes, yes, sir. I said, so in other words, this is something, the, the, this is a level of you die saying it's true. And reasonable doubt is that high or higher. When And, and the thing is, I don't have to say it. Yeah. Well, you know, because you've seen the the pool, if there's a veteran. So I had a veteran stand up, and I said, do you remember your oath? And he goes, no. And I said, is it something? And I read it, you know, I rattled it off. <clears throat> he said, yes, sir. I said, did you ever serve in combat? And he said, yes, sir. I said, so you would have died for that? Yes, sir. And, it made, and, they, and the veterans start puffing up at that point. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course they should. It is something to be proud of. Right. Agreed. Well, if reasonable doubt is really that high, it's important. The other thing I used, and, and I looked at uh, some, you know, questions on, you know, he said, she said, 
And so I put an image of a tug of war rope with a red cloth on it, right? In Voidire as I got to this piece. And I said, you've heard the prosecutor say this is a he said, she said. I said, that's a tug of war. So you're going to want to watch that red flag and where does it end up? I said, but that's not a he said, she said. That's over in the civil court building. That's about three blocks away. I said, this is beyond a reasonable doubt. And then showed, uh, uh, I think it's Heyman's army, uh, pulling stuff up a hill. Yeah. With horse-drawn carriages, wagons. And I said, this is not a he said, she said. This is, can the state pull every element of this case to the very top of the hill so you believe it beyond a reasonable doubt? This is not he said, she said. So those two things together help them see, I think it helped those, that jury understand, I don't have to prove anything. The other thing I did is I made a very carefully used word so that I never set up that I would prove anything. Yeah. Right. It's not a he said, she said. It's theirs, their burden. They got to do it. Um. So you learn, you, you know, you, you do enough trials, you kind of know what a jury, what a, what a prosecutor is going to do in jury selection. They did the gun missing a piece of the puzzle. Sure. You know, do you know, this is gun beyond a reasonable doubt. The whole jury's like, yes. And so I said, you know, I got up and I did a couple of things to, to just beat him, beat back in jury selection. I said, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to jury selection. I don't speak French. Okay. <laughs> right. Because the, the, the prosecutor did the whole, this is Voidire. Or as in Texas, we say Voidire, you know, whatever, whichever one it is. Yeah. You know? But he never explained what it was. So I just said, I don't speak French. And most of y'all don't either. Right. Well, already I put him in, put him on my side because I don't talk like that guy. Yeah. And then I referenced the gun piece before I really got into my own Voidire. And I said, um, he showed you the picture of the gun. Everyone knows that's a gun. Everyone knows it's a pistol. I said, can anyone tell me if it was a nine or a 45? I said, what if that's the important question? You can know it's a gun beyond a reasonable doubt and not know if it's the gun in question. Right. So don't just take what they put up there to be enough. If that's not the question that has to be answered. So already I feel like I had a good, the jury, the, the responding pool responded well to me. Yeah. Um, I've had several people say I've never lost a, that I have never lost a jury selection. Um, and I, I'd say that's probably true. That's, it's what I'm really good at. Yeah. Um, I pride myself on my jury selection skills too, but I love the way that you um, explained the beyond a reasonable doubt. It, it's a, it is that army and horse-drawn carriages carrying the elements up to the top, very tip top of the hill um, that, that I am going to steal as my own. And when people give me credit, I will gladly accept it, my friend. Um, but do you feel like, uh, you know, one, I, I think as defense attorneys, we inherently have a certain charisma um, 
maybe that's learned or natural that most of us do sets but we, us apart. We, we've all seen a few that don't. Yeah. And I would be terrified, terrified if that were my attorney and I had to go to trial. Well, yeah. And I mean, it, you know, I guess it depends on the case. Cause if it's like something like a white collar crime, like I don't, you know, it's a Leon Haley, I think would be fantastic in given any trial setting. Um, but if it's not like, I'm okay. If it's kind of a, introverted kind of guy on one of those like so long as they can explain the facts of the case but i i you know i will agree with you like i think a case is won or lost in jury selection if you get enough people on your side and they'll wind up on your jury you're gonna be you're gonna be sitting pretty you know if you offend them or upset them or if you just pick poorly you know there's gonna be nothing that you can do to change some people's minds they're just always gonna be you know quote unquote pro law enforcement whatever that means and uh and, and so really you know, that starts in jury selection. I've seen you in jury selection. I think like that, um, uh, you know, your experience as, you know, just your life experience as a preacher and all that, like really comes, comes into play very well. Just a country um, boy come to the city. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so let's, let's talk about like, you know, was there, uh, you know, I'm not going to, we, we shouldn't, even though I do it most often, we shouldn't disparage any like prosecutor, but is there any, did they have any reaction that you were, you know, to the not guilty? They have any reaction that you just, you know, weren't expecting or what you, something that you noticed or anything like that? Um, So I did notice in trial, they started off very cordial, kind of laughing, joking with me. And then at the end of the first day, they didn't even want to look at me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just because they were like, this is not going as we foresaw or what? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's that they're, I had already kind of started picking them apart with their first two witnesses. I mean, you know, leading up to this with a case like this, I can't imagine it was too, you know, congenial between you two, uh, between the sides, right? Would, were you guys bickering or no? Not too much. Um, okay. At least not once we got to got to trial. Um, we've had some bickering along the way. Sure. Um, uh, but yeah, after after about that first full day jury selection and then the first couple of witnesses, they were not nearly as excited to be joking with me as they were earlier in the day. Yeah. Um, I think they had already felt the tide shift. Um, and then. But I will say that when they saw me in court this week, uh, he stood up, shook my hand, and he goes, I didn't get a chance to tell you, you know, good job last week. Um, and we worked out a case. Uh, Fantastic. You know, this week. And and I said on this one, I said, there's no mistake. There's no, hey, you know, maybe it's, I said, this guy did it. <laughs> right. Um, uh, it was well, it probably did. gave you more credibility with that prosecutor, at least. Like, sure. okay, I need to, you know. Obviously, this guy did it on this one that we're pleading out, but I need to listen to him when I say, hey, there's issues here. Right. Right. Um, and I think that does for, for a couple of weeks, uh, you do get that kind of if I say, hey, there, you know, this and this might not completely make the offer gets better. Um, I haven't, you know, and when you say this is a case you don't want to try, they kind of go. Uh, they don't take it as a threat. They're taking it as like, okay, what am I missing here? Right. Yeah. So, um, so obviously great for you, um, and your interactions with this particular prosecutor. Tell me about, you know, 
you know, I can only imagine your client was super relieved. Tell me about his reaction. Um, you know, how this is going to change his life going forward. Sure. So he's been on bond conditions for five and a half years. Um, and one of the things that the state does that we really can't stop them, even though it, it it's not right. They ask a complaining witness in a case like this. So how has this affected your life over the last five years? Right. That's not evidence. It's not relevant it's at not all. Relevant. That's punishment evidence. Right. But if you try to object as to relevance, the judge goes overruled. Right. Sure. I, I but they ask and, and she so once they let hers in, I asked my guy, how's this been for the last five and a half years? And he said, I've taken a couple of pay cuts, can't get the same job I was doing. You know, I used to do this, this, and this, and now I'm doing, and it's still in the same field, but it's, he went from level, level D to level B. Right. Um, uh, because he couldn't pass a background check just on right. the rest. Yep. Um, when the judge came in and started reading the verdict, I went and, you know, told him again, try not to react either way. Well, you know, we'll deal with it. Even though I had a good feeling, you just never know. Yeah. And the judge turned to count one, not guilty. My guy started shaking count two. He's truly trembling. And by the time he finished reading count three, not guilty, my guy's weeping. I mean, he bends over, not standing up weeping. I thought he was going to be sick. Um, yeah. Somebody else, uh, the court reporter said, I thought he was going to pass out. Yeah. Well, um, we've had that happen in one of our trials too, but yeah, that one, I wasn't so sure that he really passed out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I then found out, you know, when, when we went back, to talked to the jury and they were waiting for other people to clear out, the court reporter told me, you know, he'd pulled himself together and he started just breaking down again. Right. And he told me, he goes, I, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. Um, I've got goosebumps, by the way. I, 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 it took everything for me not to start crying. Yeah. Yeah. That's emotional, man. Um, you know, I, I, I never thought of it that way, but you kind of go, I get it. I, I don't get it, but I get it. For five and a half years, you've been living with this veil on your life of, I don't know what's going to happen. And you just walked out of the fog. So he is now obviously entitled to an expunction of this, a free Correct. expunction. Correct. Um, he no longer has to report, no longer has to pay that monthly fee. I, I'm, I don't know if he had any electronic supervision, but on these cases, they often do have, uh, you know, GPS monitor or something. If it's, you yeah, know, he, sexual he did assault. not, he did not in part because he didn't know her home address. I mean, can you imagine just the quality of sleep he got that night yeah i told him i said don't go out to a bar no don't drink i said if you want to go buy a 12 pack and go home i said i get it i said but do not drink out in public do not go get a dwi i yep. said in five and a half years my fees have gone up and it's going to cost you a lot more money the second right. time <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed um but he goes he goes no he goes i'm never going to have to call you again for this um or for anything for like anything this. yeah and, yeah. I, and I hope he doesn't. Man, I, I just couldn't. Have, yeah. I mean, that's like. 
that's like wearing, you know, a hundred pound backpack for five and a half years and all of a sudden taking it off and feeling that relief. Yeah. So if you've ever seen the movie, the mission, um, stars, Jeremy Irons and Robert De Niro was made in the eighties based on a book. That's before uh, my time. You ought to watch it. it. It'd be good for you. <laughs> Robert De Niro has to climb this waterfall and he used to be a mercenary and he's carrying this pack, the pack of his mercenary tools. He kind of feels like he has to. And the pre, the other, you know, and they're, they're, they're priests, right? And he's, he's basically doing penance. And one of the other priests pushes it off down in the water at some point And Robert De Niro goes back and gets it. Right. And still carrying it. He gets to the top of this waterfall and one of the, uh, a Guarani, one of the natives, cuts the rope and drops it, and that's when Robert De Niro has the weight lifted, and he just breaks down and cries, right? I, that's how I saw my client. It was like he had finally had someone who had the authority to say, you don't have to carry this around anymore, and it, he, he wept. I mean, wept. There was no. He didn't cry. He didn't tear up. He wept yeah. in that courtroom. I truly thought he was going to be sick. Yeah. Well, um, you know, and you, it's it's a shame to say it, but for justice to be found, I mean, he needed you in that moment. So you're you are the the reason that he is a you know free man today. So that's well, the jury is a jury is okay. Um, true, true. So we talked about how you worked with that same prosecutor on a case, you know, today or whatever, uh, and you worked something out. Tell me, like, how in your experience, because you've had a number of not guilties, um, in your experience. How do you, how do you think prosecutors, you know, do they do anything differently uh, after a losing case? Do they, you know, do they try to learn? Do they alter anything? I mean, tell me tell me your opinion on that. So a couple of things I've had. I went back and looked at my stats. Not only am I not guilties, but did I beat the offer? And the only yeah. ones I haven't beaten the offer on are, um, basically, uh kid cases where the offer is auto life yes. or, or where auto life is the outcome right. if you go to trial. I think everything else I've either gotten a not guilty or I beat the offer by at least in some form or fashion. So about a year and a half ago, I went to trial on a online solicitation of a minor undercover sting. Right. Um, and all that had been offered was pin time. This guy was in his fifties, had no criminal history, or at least nothing significant. He may have had like a possession of marijuana charge when he was 20, but I don't think he had any criminal history. And they were only offering him pin time. And we got probation from the jury. And over the next like month, I had several several prosecutors say, the whole office has had meetings. Anybody who handles these cases on, do we need to change the offer when it's an undercover sting to include probation or to, as a pop? Because... Obviously, that's what the public wants. Right. That's what they think it's worth. Um, sometimes you'll have, you'll, and you and I have heard this, uh, a prosecutor go, it was just the jury pool. It was the wrong jury pool for this case. Right. Like it's the jury's fault that they didn't make what, you know, that they got an eye guilty or um, that the, the jury came back with a lesser sentence than what the state wanted. Right. Right. And you and I have heard prosecutors say that, that it's basically we yes. had the wrong jury pool. We're not going to change our mind. I have my opinion on that. Yes. Um, But my first trial was a DWI. 
got a not guilty on it. And about three or four months later, I went back to the same prosecutor with a DWI, but this, this one was a DWI second where the lady ran into her neighbor's house, like drove into the living room, damn, pulled out of the house and parked in her driveway where the officers arrive and she cusses them like a sailor. And I'd seen the video and I said, said to the client, I said, you don't want this to ever go to trial because that alone, they're going to put a jury's going to, they're going to recommend no probation. Yeah. So before I ever showed up in court, we got the record saying insurance had paid. We had pictures showing the house had been cleaned up, all those things. And so when I showed up and the prosecutor, I'd beaten, they had gotten down to three days credit time served on that DWI. And we still said no. And we beat them with a 15 or 20 minute, not guilty. Looked up and goes, Oh, it's Andrew. And it's a DWI. I mean, like you could tell she didn't want to talk to me. And I said, look, the best thing I can tell you is we've already paid for all the damages. It was a DWI second over a 0.15 house torn up. And because I was able to say, we've already covered all the house. And that's the best thing I can tell you about this case. She goes, the house already taken care of. And I said, here's a picture and here's the insurance Proof, yeah. letter. She goes, 18 months probation. I was like, let's sign it up. Yeah. Right. Well, so you took the high road, right? I mean, like, you know, uh, uh, you acted, you know, kind of use a sports uh, uh, term. You, you acted like you'd been there before. You know what I mean? And I hadn't because it was my first trial. <laughs> But, you know, kind of the same thing with this with this other deal that you did today, same prosecutors got a not guilty against last week. You know, you didn't you weren't a jerk to him. Right. And that's no, not really your nature, but it's not my nature. I mean, I will be a jerk. And and, and I one day in court, you have it in you. Sure. <laughs> right. One day in court a while back, you know, we, we've done the episode. We had, you know, just some horrible news a month or so ago. And he he approached me and I wasn't ready to deal with this case. I wasn't there for this case. And he approached me on it. And, and I told him, I was like, blah, blah, blah. And I said, this is chicken shit. And, and I don't like it. And you know, it's not fair. And I walked out of the courtroom and I kind of dressed him down and I didn't do it quietly. Yeah. It, but we were getting ready for trial. And so he called me like the next day to tell me the, that this was like the week before we were supposed to have trial. And he said his experts weren't available. And when he called me and, and left a voicemail and I called him back and I said, the first thing I want to say is I'm sorry. I dressed you down. I was having a really bad day. And for me to call to, to to say those things to you, I should have done it not in a public place, but you caught me at the wrong time. And and I went and, and I and he said, and he actually said, and I appreciated this. He said, I don't know you real well, but I've seen you enough to know that's not the way you normally react. And your apology means a ton. Yeah. Right. So just like I would with anyone else. If if I lose my cool with a with with a with a prosecutor and I really don't think they deserve it, I'm going to apologize. Now I've lost my cool with with another prosecutor you and I both know, and I think they deserved it, and I will never apologize for losing my cool in that courtroom that day. So I've I I, I will kind of get kind of short with uh, prosecutors if I think they're just like just being obstinate because they want to be. Um, I feel like in this adversarial system that we practice in, it's important to not 
be adversarial towards each other. We have a lot of cases that we have to work out. Right. Um, but there's some prosecutors who just, that's why they're in the business, right? They, um, so anyways, um, yeah. a lot of times I'll just say, set it for trial and I'll walk out and on my way out, I'll say, this is effing ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and every single one of those cases has worked out and only like maybe once I've gone back and apologized. Um, right. but, but, but I would do the same thing if, if you came into my office, right, we're friends and you called me at the wrong time, kind of poked at me and I was like, just came unglued. I yeah. would come back later and go, Hey, I, Andy, I was having a bad day. I, I live that. for those moments. It's why the first thing I say to you is an insult in some way. Uh, and most of the time I'm like, good to see you too. Thanks yeah. for playing. <laughs> All right, man. Um, okay. So, so yes, it does affect offers. So the offer today, well, it sounds like it also affects like the administration too. Like, like they, they come back and they're like, Whoa, okay. Um, kind of the same deal on a, on a sex assault case. I got a not guilty on like the DA, called me and talked to me about it they went in and talked with a judge about it to see like you know what exactly was the issue here um and in that case my you know the complainant was just straight up lying said she was super intoxicated and her talk screen came back completely clean so um so yeah i mean so it so it, it affects the entire system if they want to learn if they want to take that as a learning moment right it's also important for us to learn Yes. Right. I think the best, one of the best things that I've heard from your story is the feedback from the juror on that beyond a reasonable doubt thing. Like, yes, I think in this that's case, important. I'm going to start hammering that right. nonstop. Um, uh, and I've used it for a while and I've always thought, I wonder if this actually rings with the jurors. And in this case it did. So I'm going to keep using it. Yeah. In that first DWI, I got a not guilty, but I, I asked for a motion to suppress, um, because the officer didn't do the HGN correctly, and the judge said, "We're just going to let it ride and see see what see what happens." So in, I never got a ruling on it, and so I went back to 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 Mark Daniel, uh, one of my mentors, when I happened to be in his office. I wasn't working with him at the time, and I said, "I got the outcome I needed," and he actually said, "Good job on the not not guilty on the DWI." I said, "I got what I I got the verdict." correct i said but i didn't get a ruling on this piece and i said if it had gone the other way i wouldn't have i wouldn't have had it on appeal i said what do i do in that situation he says you don't you're not mean he goes you just say judge i need a ruling on the record and on the record you say it again judge we cannot move forward until i have a ruling on this question on the record and he goes and if it gets to a third time you say judge i'm going to ask for a recess and a mistrial until i get a ruling on the record right he said, you don't, he goes, don't get mean, but just say, I've got to have a ruling. And most of the time, by the second time you ask, the judge is going to go denied. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's the first thing like, oh, I understand. Yes. Here's your ruling. Right. Um, But yeah, I learned because I went back and asked someone, what do I do when they do this? For sure. Um, I've had, I've learned, right. You can open the door in void dire or an opening statement if you say listen for an inconsistent statement and there's priors that are similar in nature they you've just opened the door that this isn't a mistake this isn't an accident this is and and i learned that in trial now it really didn't change anything it just put the, the those things out 
earlier than I wanted them out. Yeah, even though the judge always advises uh, juries like, hey, whatever the attorneys say is not evidence. It's just, you know, argument or whatever, but it's not evidence. Your statements in opening can open the door to allow the state to introduce other things in. Right, and uh, so you learn very quickly, okay, am I ready for that or do I not want to do that? So I learned the mistake the hard way. Yeah. And it was going to come in at some point because we were going to have to address, you know, the the issues. But yeah, it's like... It's like doing anything else. It's like getting a paper back when you're in college. It's like playing a sport and watching game film. You're going to learn from your mistakes more than the perfect play. Which which kind of goes back to some of these prosecutors we've heard of who, you know, say like, well, you can just blame it on a jury pool. Like, ah, well, this jury pool just didn't understand it or, you know, it was a bad jury pool for this case. You know, those prosecutors are not learning a thing. What they should be learning is, wow, I could not. I could not prove this case. I could not prove all the elements of this case beyond a reasonable doubt. And that is or the offer I gave is, is not, yeah, not going to be what a jury wants. Now, I don't know what that prosecutor's doing. You know, they may be saying that does kind of like, well, you know, whatever, but they may be going back to their office and sucking their thumb and going, how do I do it different next time? So sure. it doesn't happen again. Um, that's that when I was a prosecutor, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. But you do every that time anyway. I lost. Yeah. It was like my thumb. Sure. Um, <laughs> But, but like on every single loss, I would get with my core partner and be like, what happened? How did I not see this? Or was it my ego or did I just, you know, what was it? Um, and that, that, that's really, so what about like other prosecutors, like not prosecutors you were involved with, uh, or who were involved in the case, but do, do you think they change their wrecks as a result of some of these, you know, not guilties? Well, again, let's go back to the online solicitation of a minor that was a sting. Uh, the whole office that handled those cases, I, I got stopped two or three times by other prosecutors and other courts who had those similar cases. And they said, we're having to rethink how we wreck those cases because of what you did. Well, that means that that could be changing 10 or 20 people's case. Yeah, that's a pretty seismic shift for sure. Um, now, I don't know if that really happened or not, but they at least went, huh, a jury doesn't like the fact that it's an officer in an adult site posing as a kid, and the guy ends up talking to this officer, and they never actually meet, and there is no actual kid there. Yeah. Is that enough? Well, it's enough for it to go, you were dirty, but it's not enough to send you to the pen. Well, then you got to start making some probation offers on those cases. Yeah. Or at least if that's if that's all you got. Okay, what about um, you know, I a lot of times for our clients on these big cases, there if there is any, you know, news or public um relations or whatever about these cases at the time of their arrest. We see that in the county, our primary county that we practice in. They've got this news blast on people who are arrested and they make fun of them and have some little quirky comment on, you know, whatever the case may be. I rarely see updates on those cases after those those people are found not guilty. But it does happen sometimes. And do you think there's a, you know, with with a string of not guilties from a defense bar, do you think that changes the perception in like just the general public? And their opinion on like, okay, so-and-so was 
arrested, that doesn't really mean that they did it. Um, so in this jury pool, I had someone who actually wrote on their questionnaire, I was charged with a DWI and I was found not guilty. And he was in the back of the room. So at some point I said, juror 56, would you stand up? You were charged with a DWI. You were found not guilty. How important is it to have a jury that is fair and unbiased? And this, this man, you could tell, was pretty embarrassed. Uh, and the prosecutor then said, well, that's information we disclosed to you. And, you know, that could be, uh, you know, that could be an ethical violation. I said, he wrote it on his questionnaire. That's the way I used it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and it wasn't like it wasn't true. Um, but you, you're not supposed to divulge that information because it's supposed to be expunged, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't know that it makes a big difference to the average person, but when you have someone like that say, yeah, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference to me how this how how it made a huge difference in my case that a jury was fair, that people listened, that people didn't jump to a conclusion. Um, it helps. But if we're honest, and and I, and I read that same quirky, stupid, and I get, you know, they'll make fun of the person's name if it's, um, well, we use Andrew since both of us are named that. They'll be like. And he drew the meth out of his pocket and took a ride to the county jail. Yeah. Right. I mean, it'll be something like that. It's just it's bad dad joke of making fun of a, of a guy who's been arrested for meth. Um, I don't think those are going to change. Right. Right. Because you and I look at it and go, dumbass, why are you carrying meth? Yeah. No, I know those aren't, that's not going to change. Um, although I did stop advertising with one particular company because they refused to make changes to that. Yeah. Um, you and I both quit using them. But um, but my, I guess my, you know, I mean, we, we hear these big national cases that have been found not guilty. And sometimes people are like, wow, how did the prosecutor screw this up? Or most of the time it's just like, you know, this defense attorney just spun gold out of nothing. Right. Um, but I, you know, I kind of guess, I guess I just, the ideological part of me, um, hopes well, that we, it, we also hear though. Well, that was a New York jury. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. A, that was a California jury. If that would have been in Texas, we would have found him guilty. And sometimes I go, yeah, yeah, we would have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just hope people, I guess, kind of emerge from their ignorance on, you know, the state always getting it right. But yeah, so know, one, one can things, hope. One of the things that was not said in this jury selection, but I've heard it now a couple of times, is you know, by the state during their jury selection will say, you know, can you find someone guilty? You know, is there any reason? Because, you know, we find people guilty in this courtroom or in this courthouse every day. And when I come back around, I'll go, ladies and gentlemen, can you find them not guilty? Let's all practice saying it together. And how do I know they find people not guilty in this courthouse? Because I've earned them. Right. Kind of the just because they're here doesn't mean you're going to find them exactly guilty, which is kind of the what they're what the what the state's trying to say so it helps to have a few not guilties in your pocket you can go they can say it happens every day and it does but i also know not guilties are found in this courthouse on a regular basis because i'm one of the people that gets them you know i i heard somebody told me like people who go to trial are obviously not guilty because if you're actually guilty 
you wouldn't take the risk. You would have played it out. You wouldn't take the risk of a trial. You would have played that case out. And I was like, interesting perspective. That is an issue. I like not been my, (laughs) I want that person on my dream. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. I want them to say that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Anyways, not as that has not been my ex- personal experience, but yeah, that is an interesting perspective. Well, man, you know, congratulations again. It's Thank well you. hard, you know, hard fought, well earned. Um, and I, you know, uh, I know that for the other defenders out there, you know, they worked equally as hard, um, well earned on all of those not guilties. Well, let's be honest, we often work just as hard on the case that we know they're going to go away for forty five years. Certainly. Um, Certainly. But to to be able, you know, it I, feels good. It feels good. But it's also in some ways just another day at the office. Right. Right. Back right? to work. So, yeah. Right. I, I, well, go, I go back to my Tim Moore and Tim Moore, um, one of the best attorneys, one of the most humble yeah. attorneys I know. I've watched him come in. You know, he had like three not guilties in a row or three out of four all within about six months. And he would come in not guilty at lunch and come back to the office like at three sit down at his desk, open his computer, hang up his jacket, and start to work. And we'd be like, and you'd say something, and he'd go, well, I've got another trial in two weeks. Yeah. Right? So that's that's what I've been trying to do, right? You know, kind of the, all right, all right that's I behind I've, you. Got, I've got several yeah. trials set in September. So I've got to be ready for them, and, and they're just as important to those persons are as this one was to my client last week. Well, it should be, uh, it should be inspiring to those defenders out there who may be second guessing their skills leading up to trial. Like you just have to try some of these cases yeah, uh, and do your best and trust in, in your jury that you select. And you will be puckered up when they come back and say there's a verdict. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. Certainly. Uh, Well, thanks man. Uh, Thanks for, for going over that with us. I know you really didn't have a choice because your name's on the podcast as well. Um, But Hey, if you're listening right now and you know, somebody who really worked hard uh, got a not guilty, got a great result for their client. You know, I know there's a ton of our defenders down in Houston who are pulling in great results every single day in Bear County, down in the Valley, over in the Panhandle, out in El Paso. I mean, all across the state, we are working really hard, getting some great results and we should be congratulated. So please send us some of those and we'll talk about them on the next podcast and just kind of give them a shout out and an attaboy, girl, Or maybe have them on the show. Or, you know what? Probably going to have them on the show. Exactly. But let us know who they are. For Andrew Decker, I am Andrew Harris. And for Andrew Harris, I'm Andrew Decker. Y'all be good. <laughs>